gathering with the church family is it's very important. In fact, it's necessary um, in our, I, I think about in our American culture, how our, our culture values independence, but it's different in the body of Christ because God's created us to be interdependent. In fact, we need each other in order to be the people that God's called us to be and in order to accomplish what he's called us to do. And so as we gather together and we hear the word preached and we sing songs of praise to God that remind us of who he is and who we are called to be, and as we pray together and serve together, all these things build us up in Christ um, and enable us to glorify him and be the people that he's called us to be. And so it's absolutely necessary to gather with the body. And in fact, when we don't, um, it, it weakens us. I think one of the new things that we have learned recently about why gathering is so important is this sense of isolation sometimes that we have even as we wrestle against the temptations and influences that we have and I think that is part of why living in community with other brothers and sisters is so important. It just strengthens the community and your walk with Christ because I think when you become um, isolated that's the devil's playground and that can lead to depression, loneliness, and all of that. And so when you, and it's very important, I think God always tells us like relationships are so important. And so when you spend time with other people, other Christians, that just strengthens your walk with Christ. We're able to pray for each other, be there for each other, because one thing in life, like trials are gonna come and everybody's going through something at some point in their life and we need each other to lift each other up and encourage one another. And you can't do that by yourself. When we gather, we get a chance to, um love each other, encourage each other, um, pray for each other, you know, just being a greeter in the morning times on Sunday morning, seeing people walk in the door, that's an encouraging to me and getting to love on them and it's exciting when you see a lot of people gathering in the hallways and, you know, loving each other and taking yeah. time to invest in each other's lives. Yeah, it's, it's one of the highlights of our week, just be, uh, being here with our mm -hmm. church family. Man, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Uh, I know this is a little bit different than um, what we have been doing in the last, really in the last few years. If you are a, uh, a regular attender here, one who's been a, around for quite a while, you know that typically, right, you would be able to know what, what was coming next. So uh, two years worth of just really going to the next book of the Bible. Uh, and then uh, before that, we, we did a series in First Peter. Even just right before this, we did this series in Song of Solomon. And, uh, and, and yet over these few weeks, we're kind of picking different passages to help us understand different uh, understand who we are as a church, what's the mission, what's the vision of the church. And so that, that might feel a little bit different each week, like what passage are we going to now? Um, but I, I, maybe I'll give you a heads up. Um, one, I hope this is always the case, that we're always looking to God's word by his grace. In fact, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, if I get up to preach a sermon that's not from Scripture, it's not a sermon. And so I hope you understand that and know that and value that. Um, but if, if that's anybody, not just me, but in addition to, to that, um, we're going to, I've given you kind of a heads up 
right after Easter, we're going to spend several weeks in the book of Hebrews, just week after week after week, just diving deeper and deeper, hopefully by God's grace that we will just get a richer picture of his word and uh, being able to just spend all of that time, uh, several weeks worth in one book, I think kind of swimming around in the text, so to speak, I think will uh, bear much fruit for us. So I'm looking forward to that. But today, we're going to let Psalm 96 kind of help us see a picture of what it looks like when we gather together. We, we have that phrase here, right? One of those core truths for us. We belong, we gather, and we send. So this, this gathering, and you might even wonder, how does gathering connect us to this idea of doing whatever it takes to make Christ known, to get out of debt, to do all that? Why, why does gathering a uh, part of that? I would say that accomplishing the mission of God is, is often even, it's fueled by the people of God being better equipped and encouraged to be sent out. Well, that, that will be our conversation next week, but being equipped and encouraged comes best as we gather together. It's part of belonging. Again, I, I spoke kind of to the camera, uh, to those who are not here, and I want you to hear this one more time, it, probably again and again, but if you are not here with us, we want you to know that we miss you, we love you, we, we want you back here with us, gathering with us is vital, it's so important, and, and for some, you're unable to be here, we we still, we miss you and love you and hope that we can gather together with you again soon. I understand that you can hear sermons and even sing along in your, uh, in your living room or at the kitchen table, but the, the people of God, it's not just hearing a sermon, like right uh, you can, you can listen to podcasts that have sermons. You can watch other people. But there's something about, like God has designed us to, to do this together. And so I, I just, we're, we're gonna hone in on that. Why, why being together matters as much as it does. So let's see what scripture tells us about that. And go again, let's, let's look to Psalm 96. It says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. 
the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. <clears throat> he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Oh. I, I find myself wanting to jump to that point because I get, I'm really excited about that point. We're going to talk about focusing on the word, but I want to I do this first. I want us to see that the church gathering should always be God-centered. Should always be God-centered. I mean, just look at this text, right? Over and over. In fact, the, the name the Lord is used 11 times. Oh, sing to the Lord, a new song. Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. For the great is the Lord. But the Lord made the heavens. Ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord. Worship the Lord. The Lord reigns before the Lord. This is about the Lord over and over and over. Another 15 times you see his, him, uh, he, so it's his salvation, his glory, his marvelous works, his splendor, his majesty, his strength, his beauty, his holiness. His, he is judge. He is faithful. Guess what this is not about? Guess what the gathering is not about? It's not about me. And, and it is not about you. Chuck Lawless says that, that worship is the right response of those that are dependent of the sovereign. That's, that's what happens when we, we're realizing our desperation for him. You might think, well, this is obvious. We're at church. Of course, the worship service should be God-centered, but it's not always that way. Not in all places that call themselves church, not in all places that call themselves a worship service. Oftentimes, songs become all about my love for God instead of about his love for us. We, we even start to, to celebrate how, how good we are at loving him. How good we are at praising him. You're like, you don't, you know, thankfully uh, that, that isn't the case here. And it's okay for us to talk about like the, like there are songs of testimony, right? Songs where we sing about what God has done in us, what's happening. So it's, I'm not saying we can't sing like, I praise you or I sing of your praise. But, but like that's even, that's even what's being declared here. Do this. But the work is that we are, we are intended for us to focus on the one that we were gathered together for. I need you to, to know this is not just like another sports game, right? This isn't just like a pep rally. We get ourselves fired up about something and excited and we leave and like nothing has changed. This is not a political rally where some guy gets up and gives a speech and everybody claps every few phrases. I mean, you're welcome to clap every few phrases, but it is not why we are gathered, right? Like that's not the point of this. This isn't a, a like stirring of the people's emotions. No, this is that there's a God in the universe who's created, sustained us. He is sovereign over all things. He is perfect and worthy, his holiness. And so what do we do? We're gonna ascribe to the Lord his greatness. We're gonna speak of his beauty. Like this, 
Don't see this for what it is not. Don't miss out on just, just the, like, by, by thinking that it's just simply better to, to sing with others instead of like singing in the shower. It is better, but it's better because it's focused, centered around the God of the universe. D.A. Carson says, you cannot find excellent corporate worship until you stop trying to find excellent corporate worship and pursue God himself. Right, this is, this is what happens. He also says it's a bit like uh, those who admire the sunset and soon begin to admire themselves admiring the sunset. I'm really good at watching this sunset. Man, I'm a really good sunset watcher. Like, would that, would that even make sense? No. You look at the sunset, you go, wow, this is stunning. All the colors, how, how God made this, this is beautiful. But sometimes that's what we do when we get together for these, these points of worship and we, we find ourselves focused so much on ourselves. I'm really good at this. I bet, I bet God is glad that I'm on his team. David Wheeler says, God always responds to our worship. As we worship our transcendent, almighty, sovereign God, our Lord responds by showing himself as an imminent, personal, loving, and gracious Father. He shapes us as we worship. He conforms us to his will, and we submit ourselves to his authority and control over our lives. He fashions us into his image as we seek to know him more and more. The people of God gathered together has to be God-centered. Additionally, the church gathering should be word-focused. I told you I was excited about this part, right? You might even notice that there's, there's not a, a spot in here where it says that directly, but I maybe you didn't catch this, but Psalm 96 is Scripture, right? Anything that we're gonna learn today about worship, about the people gathering, the, the people of God gathering together, anything we're gonna learn about that comes from God's word. It, it's, it's his insight, his truth that, that helps us, that helps us see anything. How do you learn about salvation that we're supposed to share from day to day? How do you learn about that apart from his word? How do you learn about his glory that fills the earth? How do you learn about that glory apart from his word? How do you learn about holiness, the fact that God is set apart in his perfection? How do you learn about that apart from his word? How do you learn about his reign, his judgment, his righteousness, his, our imperfections, his perfections, our faithlessness, his faithfulness apart from his word? How do you learn about any of those things apart from his word? The answer is you don't. God, he makes that clear even through his word. In Romans 1, right, there's people that will look to things like the sunset and the mountains and the sky. And they will look and say, there's something out there. There's something better than me. There's something greater than me. But they have no way of knowing the truth, like how it has been revealed. They have no way of knowing that Christ is salvation. They have no way of knowing apart from God's word. All right, Romans 10. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. 
That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because, right, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone, listen everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him who they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You can't know the fullness and the richness of God apart from the word of God. You, you cannot have a gathering of the people of God for the worship of God apart from scripture. You are wasting your time. I like getting together and I enjoy people. I'm one of those people people. You know what I mean? But, but the the gathering of God's people is designed to be focused on his word. Side note, like as we are wanting to know more and more of God's word, know more of who he is, uh, our, we're, we are individually trying to spend time in God's word on our own. And so uh, the March uh, prayer guide, the I mean, uh, Bible reading guide is available at the tables out here. So make sure you pick up this month's uh, Bible reading plan as we're again reading through God's Word together. Oh, the, the truth of God's Word is so important. Jesus even says that right when he's with the the woman at the well, and he he. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father, you worship but what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and now it's here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and truth. Father's seeking out such people to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. A lot of times we, we like to uh, put those kind of in juxtaposition almost, like there's, there's spirit and so there's the excitement, the joy, the, the delight of worship and then there's the truth and so we, we kind of have to have two sides of the same coin. You have to have spirit and truth together. Uh, I want you to know that if you have spirit without truth, you don't have real spirit, right? It, it's not just a pep rally. Is it not just like, let's sing the fight song and then like charge the field? Well, this is, this is why week after week after week, we turn to the word of God to guide our time. There's something about, there's something uh, really good for me when I am walking up these steps with Bible in hand for me to be able to say, turn to your Bible, T turn to this book, to this chapter, to this psalm. 
There's something about that because no matter like, whatever else is said after that, you've heard that that's where we're, that's the, at minimum, that's the starting point, right? Like whatever else comes, you then know, okay, like this is where Chad thinks he's getting that from. And, and by God's will, by God's grace, that it will continue to be that way, that we'll, preacher after preacher will come and say, open God's word, right? Thus saith the Lord. You know that David and I, we meet regularly to discuss uh, these gatherings. I don't know if you realize that, like, he's actually already read the text that I'm going to preach. In fact, he's already read most of my notes from the text. So that when we are, when we are singing songs, we are preparing our hearts with the truth of God. He's, he's careful to not, to not put songs before us that are just fluff. He's also careful to not, uh, I mean, to put songs before us that will stir our hearts, stir our minds. I think about uh, in First Peter to prepare our minds for action, to be prepared to, to better hear and understand what, what the word is saying. Matt Boswell, a uh, uh, worship professor, uh, music professor, and worship leader says that while theology shapes doxology, in fact, theology informs doxology. What we know, the study of God, is actually what shapes our worship of God. So catch this. As we are considering how the gathering affects our whatever it takes, we can see that it affects it because we are guided by the word and we are centered on God. Like, again, we're not just here to try to rally the troops to get more money in the bank. No, we wanna, we wanna let this be driven by an understanding of God's pushing us to the nations. Third, the church gathering should be gospel-saturated Look at verse two, right? This is early on. So verse one, we sing to the Lord a new song. We sing to the Lord all the earth. Everybody should be singing. Verse two, sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Remember, Christian, brother, sister, God saved you redeemed you, delivered you, rescued you. This is what we are singing about. Certainly who he is, but he has done something miraculous in you that causes us to give him glory. Not only did he save you, like past tense, saved, rescued, redeemed, delivered, but God saves you. God redeems you. God cleanses you. God rescues you. God delivers you day after day after day. So the salvation of God is worth telling day after day after day because his salvation is given day after day after day. This work of sanctification, this work of ongoing provision of salvation. And so many times I, I wanna just like, shake us. I want to shake myself in this and like to remember that. And it's an ongoing work. It's not just like I prayed a prayer. I walked an aisle. I got wet in the baptistry. 
like, and so now I'm saved and for, move on. No, like this is ongoing day after day after day. So, so why wouldn't we sing to the Lord about what he's doing in us today? This isn't just something that happened 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that we've kind of forgotten about. No, this is every day, day after day after day. This is why even last week when Matthew was preaching his sermon from Colossians, which if you have been missing those, come back tonight uh, for a continuation of that series. But last week, uh, if you were here and, <clears throat> and you didn't get punched in the gut, like you weren't listening. Uh, because he, he talked about that scripture was reminding us that sin should be violently murdered. Like that's intense right, and the, the need for that, and, and our Savior must be visibly magnified, this work of us praising him because of his ongoing work, and, and here, I was punched in the gut uh, pretty hard on that one, and, and I, I was thinking about sins that I needed to violently murder, and then I remembered this, that the violent murder of Jesus on the cross already murdered the sins for me. And my, my attempt day after day to, to clean up my own mess is absurd, right? Like it's ridiculous. But oh, the God who, who saves, the God who rescues, he's the one who does that work for us. So cling to him. He did the work and he does the work for us. That leads us to this, this truth that the church gathering should be congregationally rich. Look at verse three. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the peoples. In verse seven, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord the glory and his strength. This is a plural act, right? Certainly it's speaking of like people groups and works that will happen elsewhere, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But there is a work here that is being described as something that we collectively would do together. It's not just a work that happens uh, in your car by yourself or in your living room all alone. It, it can happen there. It can happen in your prayer closet. It can happen uh, personally giving worship and honor and glory to God. But, but there is something different about the gathered people together. And, and sometimes I realize that you come in this room, it might even be today, and you are here somewhat out of obligation like a sense of obligation. I have to be here. I'm supposed to be here. I'm doing what I have to do. Some days it comes easier, right? And you actually want to be here. There is something about you and you just want to. But have you ever thought about your responsibility to sing truth to one another? Part of your task in being here is that you, you can sing the truth of God that other people would hear the truth of God, not just from a microphone up on this stage, but from those that they are sitting and standing next to. So I'm charging you, 
by the word of God, not just to sit or stand silently all the time. And, and part of the reason is because I believe there are some times that we, we really do, like we grow speechless. And we need the truth of God being sung to us and over us because we just can't get the words out. During Great Is Your Faithfulness, there was that, uh, I think it's bridge, like there'll be a season of joy and weeping, but great is your faithfulness. And um, man, I'm so thankful that I know many of you well enough to know that some of you are in seasons of joy. Seasons of joy that, that you were able to to lift your hand in praise and say, God, you are faithful. You've shown yourself. You did the thing I asked you to do. I prayed this prayer and you, you did it. And so great is your faithfulness. But I also, I, I, I might have looked around and I know that some of you, I, I know you well enough to know that some of you are in seasons of weeping. And I know that today, when you sang the words, great is your faithfulness. It wasn't because God answered your prayer the way you wanted. He gave you a yes yet. And so I, I, I know that you're pleading with God and, and, and at the same time saying you're faithful you are faithful, even though you haven't given me what I wanted, you're faithful. Even though I'm, I'm wanting healing, you're faithful. Even though I'm wanting my child to come to faith and they haven't yet, you're faithful. Even though this or that or whatever the thing is, you are faithful. And, and if you don't think that your singing affects each other, it does. It does, like we, that we are singing, standing arm in arm together saying, no matter what it is, Right, because remember, when we gather, we can see each other. We actually, see, you like, like the idea is that we don't come in and get like in our own like telephone booth. Like each of us get a telephone booth with all walls in. Like we only the open at the top. It's like oh, we can worship God, but nobody else sees us. No, like we're here to be seen and see each other. As you look around, think about the people that, that maybe even don't look like you, don't sound like you. Like you're thinking about the needs of others, the needs of their style of worship, the type of worship, the old songs, new songs, guitar, piano, choir, band. Like when you sing, look around. Encourage each other in these ways. Oh, I, I was just celebrating, like thinking about this this morning. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic people. Colonial Heights, and praise God for that. We don't all look the same, not just skin tone, but I've got grayer hair than like, most of you, okay? Uh, and like, we, we, again, we grew up in different places. Some of us grew up in a Christian home. Some, some of us didn't. Some of us uh, grew up in, in different religious homes, all kinds of things. And we come together, yet focused, centered around God's word, focused on who God is. So when we gather together, like, let's look around. I actually like looking at you people. Trust me, I do it every week. 
We gather together so we can hear each other, not just so that you can hear the people that have a microphone. We want to hear each other. Matt Boswell, again, he says, we don't sing corporately because it was our idea. We sing it because it was God's idea for his people. This is what he wants for us. And finally, I would say, the church gathering should be mission-driven. David Platt writes that true worship always leads to mission because worship is both the fuel and the goal of missions. Right, as we think about Matthew 24, 14, and this whatever it takes kind of picture, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. If we want that, we want to do whatever it takes to get that to happen, for the end to come, for, for Christ's name to be known in all the earth. Let's, let's get out of debt so that we can freely complete that task, that task that's set before us, but we gather together with the whole earth in our mind, right? We gather together with the whole earth in our mind. Psalm 96.3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the peoples, not just these people right here, all the peoples. Psalm 96.10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Why would, why would our gathering together affect our going? This is why singing the gospel matters so much. It's why gospel saturated, realizing that this has happened to us and there are billions of people around the world today who have no access to the word that we are focusing our time on. Have no access, no way of hearing or knowing that. Just uh, earlier, like just a couple days ago, I was talking with Kylie about a people group in, uh, in Chad that know no Bible. Missionaries who have been there for years and just now even able to have a conversation. Not, not, to, like, not a gospel conversation, just a how's your day kind of conversation. Tim Keller writes this about worship in this way. He says that glorious worship is exuberant, never half-hearted, it is attractive, not off-putting. It is awesome, never sentimental. It is brilliant, not careless. It points to God, not to the speakers. There is nothing more evangelistic, nothing that will win the world more than glorious worship. Right? Declare his glory, his beauty, his majesty among the nations. Our mission one author writes, our mission to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world is the intent of the Great Commission. But at the heart of the Great Commission is the worship of Jesus. The Holy Spirit equips, fills, energizes, and empowers worshipers to declare the wonders of God to the heathen, to the one who has no access. We gather together for worship with all the earth in our mind, but we worship together with all of heaven in our future. Our gathering right now is intended to be a foretaste, right? Verse 13, before the Lord, for he comes. He's coming, and for he, he's coming to judge the earth, judge the world in righteousness, and people, and I need you to hear this. You might be here today, and you might be one who is kind of 
given yourself a, a, at least an arm's length distance or, or maybe more. Maybe you've given yourself a lot of distance between the true worship of God because you, you don't really know this God. But this one who I just said came and lived and died, this one who, who is making himself known to you in more than just the sunset and the mountains, he is giving you a way to spend everlasting life, eternity with God. This one who created and made the sun and the moon and the stars and made you, keeps your heart beating, keeps your lungs expanding, keeps your brain functioning even right now. This God sent his son Jesus so that you could have life eternally with him. Because in and of ourselves, that's not what we bring, right? We bring disappointment. We bring dissatisfaction. We bring discontentment. We bring our own filth, our own sin, our own disobedience to God. But God, in his grace, brought to us his son Jesus that we might have life forever with him. So this is what we declare in all the earth and what we long for, for heaven in our future. What, what I'm telling you is that we want you there with us. We don't just want you here with us. We want you there with us. We wanna gather around the throne, this, this multi-generational, multi-ethnic gathering of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue around the throne of God, giving him worship and glory. We want not just this room to feel like a foretaste. We wanna actually taste it. We want to be there, and we want you there with us. So turn away from your sin. Trust in Jesus. Turn away from your disappointment, your dissatisfaction, all the things, you, your filth that you bring. Turn away from it all and trust in the perfect, risen Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Right, think about this, Revelation 4. After this, I looked, and behold... A door standing open in heaven. First voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. Before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. All four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within. But I need you to hear like that sounds like a pretty majestic picture, right? Crystal sea, pearly gates, streets of gold, majestic creatures that we've never seen before, colors that he can't even describe, but this is where it gets really good because they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who lives forever and ever. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, 24 elders, they fall down before him. They worship him. 
They, they take their crowns off. They cast their crowns before the throne. And they say, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. By your will, they existed and were created. Our God is great. He is worthy of our praise. So we gather together for just a glimpse, just a, just a glimpse of all eternity. And so may this compel us to sing of his praise. May this stir us to respond to him. Again, for some of you, your response today needs to be to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. And maybe you've got questions about that. Maybe you're curious about that. As we sing, in just a moment, there will be some here to my left that would love to talk with you more. Maybe it is that, that your response today needs to be to sing you're one who often kind of holds back. Maybe you somewhat open your mouth or not, but, but like maybe today your response in hearing this truth is simply to sing. Actually, you have noise come out of your mouth. And we will rejoice because we'll look around and we'll like what we see. You're like, uh-uh, you're not liking what you hear. Oh, we will. We'll enjoy it together because this is our God we're singing about. So with with Revelation 4 in mind, with all of heaven in our future, with the people of Chad, West Africa in our mind, with the people that are hurting in Ukraine today, we praise God with them in our mind. them to know Jesus so that they can join with us in the never-ceasing praise of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Would you stand with me as we respond?